This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, The Young Turks, The David Pakman Show, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Media Matters Minute, and The Jimmy Dore Show. In North Carolina, and this is just another example of how the Republican Party is trapped in this, in their own cesspool of hate. Now, the downside of this, of course, is it means at this juncture, much less pressure on the Democratic Party to provide some real counters on an economic level uh, to the Republican Party. Uh, yet, ultimately, one day, I imagine the Republicans are going to have to shed this book. Governor Pat McCrory, new North Carolina governor, has signed off on special licenses to be issued to um, participants of the Obama administration's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. This is essentially the Executive Order Dream Act. And for children of immigrants who came to this country before they turned 16, who are now no older than the age of 30, they are either high school graduates or they are high school graduates and either attend college or served in the military. They have refer, re, uh, received or they have the opportunity to receive a two-year work permit. They are allowed to stay in this country. Uh, it blocks their deportation. So they have legal status. However, these licenses will be pink in color and will have a bright strip across the top that says no lawful status written in red capital letters across the front, uh, the front. I mean, if this isn't, they clearly have legal status. They've been afforded it. They may not be citizens at this juncture. But I mean, how is this really any different from the yellow badges that Jews had to wear uh, in Nazi Germany. I mean, this honestly. What it, it, it is stunning. More than fifteen thousand people in North Carolina have been accepted to the federal program. Uh, an esti estimated eighteen thousand in that state are eligible. So obviously, this is something that. Um, a lot of people are taking advantage of, uh, and it's it's shocking. And you know, North Carolina was a state that obviously President Obama won in '08, was in play in 2012, and I got to imagine that this is going to be found to be incredibly offensive. It's 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 just shocking.
people who follow immigration reform closely were uh, blown away by this detail because for going on the length of the seriousness of the immigration debate in this country, mm -hmm. six, seven years, five, six years in this country, uh, Jeb Bush has been a beacon of reasonableness mm -hmm. uh, about <laughs> on the Republican side regarding a path to citizenship and just a lack of hostility and dismissiveness in his talk about immigration. Yeah. He, his brother, too, you know, shockingly. But now, after he led the way here, he paved the way for guys like Marco Rubio to stand where he stands on it and mm -hmm. be willing to be part of a bipartisan solution to this. And now Jeb Bush comes around on the right in what can only be seen as an attempt to establish his credibility for a 2016, 2016. run uh, and changes his mind completely. I mean, he, he, he has Romneyed this up. Uh-huh. I like the way you put that. Um, so we're, we're going to show you some quotes from, from before where he was, but why don't we show you uh, the statements that came out today. And obviously, as we alluded to, he does have a book coming out this week. But anyway, um, so people were looking ahead to that book and saying that, look, we, we see the, you know, the details of your immigration plan. There's no pathway to citizenship. And uh, so they asked him about that, and he had this to say. But you do not want to offer them a path to citizenship. If they do all the things you've asked them, why not grant them that right to be an American? Because this, uh, our proposal is a proposal that looks forward. And if we want to create an immigration policy that's going to work, we can't continue to make illegal immigration an easier path than legal immigration. And so I think it's important that there is a natural friction between our immigrant heritage and the rule of law. I mean, it is a... Uh, look... You want guys who keep their positions? If one of the reasons you think Mitt Romney lost because he didn't stick to any core position, mm -hmm. I mean, this is this was George, this was Jeb Bush's, this was a tentpole position to yeah. Jeb Bush and has been for some time, and it's a complete flip flop, and he screwed Mitt Romney over on it. Yeah. Oh no, no, Mitt Romney has something to say about that. But, but what I think is so interesting about the fact that you're saying that this is one of the things that he was known for is that we're not referencing quotes from 1993, yeah. where he was in favor of a pathway to citizenship. We have a quote from, I believe, it's 2012, June, June 2000. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good bit into into the year. Uh, so here's the quote from then: uh, "You have to deal with this issue. You can't ignore it." And so either a path to citizenship, which I would support, and that does put me probably out of the mainstream of most conservatives, or a path to legalization, a path to residency of some kind, which now hopefully will become, he starts to stutter a bit, I would accept that in a heartbeat as well, if that's the path to get us to where we need to be, which is on a positive basis using immigration to create sustained growth. I guess nobody had the frickin' heartbeat. A heartbeat. He'd accept it <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah. No, actually, no, I'm not thinking it, because yeah. I realize now that as the party moved further left of where he wanted it to be, yep. that he sees no chance. I mean, he's in a very interesting position. I think politically very shrewd for Jeb Bush because he will move, because he doesn't seem extreme. So you move to the right, you outflank Marco Rubio for who's going to be the guy from Florida. Yeah. Right. Is it going to be Marco Rubio or is it going to be you? You outflank him to the right, which is obviously going to win over Tea Partiers, mm -hmm. right? And the majority of your, I mean, this is very simplistic political talk, but this is how you fire up the base, the kind of people who, as we saw, wins a Republican nomination. The entire Republican Party is the Republican base now mm -hmm. to get the Republican nomination. And then Jeb Bush has the credibility. Like, he doesn't have Mitt Romney's waffling reputation. Yet. He's more, not yet, but if he's careful and it sticks to mostly this mm -hmm. and he's got the bush name and they know instinctively that he can raise the money and mm -hmm. win 
and that he's a credible candidate. He's not. He's much more likable than Mitt Romney, and he's got the as we as George H. W. Bush said when he was president, Jeb Bush has the little brown ones. He's got kids. He's got Colombian kids. Uh -huh. He's married to a Colombian woman. Did Giving, he really say that? Jake, George H. W. said he was like talking <laughs> about his grandkids. He's like, yeah, and the little brown ones, you know. Uh, so uh, Jeb Bush has the uh, credibility on this issue to backtrack mm -hmm. in a general election. I know we're talking November of 2016, but he has the credibility to do it. This should leave no ambiguity whatsoever that this guy wants to run for president in 2016. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying that. It's, it's, there's the political angle. There's also the he wants to sell the book angle, which is obviously, from his point of view, a much smaller part of that. But I wouldn't have known that he was selling a book unless he'd come out with this bombshell today. Book comes out tomorrow. Exactly. Uh, I'm still not going to be reading it, though. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't pay for it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's possible that he could make this flip-flop, and then between the time when he would secure the nomination, between then and the, the general election, I guess he could, he could you know, reassert himself and, and still have that reasonable... It just, he doesn't, it's not, you're right, reasserting yourself, but it's also, he, he doesn't seem as hostile. The Bushes aren't as mm -hmm. loathed by Latino voters. There is a mm -hmm. greater likelihood that they won't see him, even if the position is as strongly right-wing as Mitt Romney's, which it isn't quite, uh -huh. but even now. But even if the position were in that regard, they, he's a more trustworthy name. If he, mm -hmm. It's dangerous territory, Yeah, he could do it. There's, there's a couple of small things that I think that, that could still trip him up. One that could help him, actually, is that they point out in, in the article that we've got here uh, that, that there have been other politicians who say they're against the pathway to citizenship, and then once you actually scratch and get beneath the surface, they're in favor of something that sounds quite a bit like a pathway to citizenship. They just don't like that terminology. So maybe he's hoping to score easy points on you know, vocabulary, I guess. But then, in the end, in policy terms, still seem reasonable. But it's also like he, he's... If, if we assume that he's making this move to differentiate himself to the hardcore base, apart from Rubio, apart from, to some extent, Ryan, who's also a little bit more willing to engage in bipartisanship on this, maybe Scott Walker... Are we assuming this is the only thing that he's going to have to do to make that clear? Like, he's not race baiting in any way or anything like that today, but we've still got, you know, a couple of years where well, I mean, he might have to. Look, I mean, it depends on how far right everybody drifts, mm -hmm. you know, and, and who's running. And, and on the surface right now, it doesn't feel like nearly the clown show that it was in 2012. Like, already you're thinking about, <laughs> we're going to have a race with with, you know, thirsty as Marco Rubio is, not a joke. He's not Herman Cain. Yeah, right? he's not Bachman. Right, he's not Michelle Bachman. And all of a sudden Donald you got Trump. Bachman and, her, and Donald Trump and, and Herman Cain and Rick Santorum oh, and you're all fun. of a sudden talking about Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, uh, Scott Walker, and uh, Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different race. It, yeah. Again, I don't know if they're more reasonable. Mm -hmm. They seem more reasonable and that's the most important thing. When age comes, will you call me lame? Will you cut me down just to ease your pain? When truth comes, will you accept the blame? Because history will teach us we were all on those planes.
WAFF.com is reporting that an immigrant from Vietnam destroyed some flags, and conservatives are calling, of course, for his deportation. This is in Huntsville, Alabama, where police arrested a 44-year-old. His name is Min Pham. They say that he cut down a bunch of flags from several businesses and also from a cemetery. He's been charged with three things, criminal mischief, desecration of the flag, and resisting arrest. Now, he happens to be from Vietnam, according to investigators, and they say this was all done in protest of the war. Which war? We haven't heard. That's okay. Some of the comments on the WAFF.com website and on this story on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are really incredible. And I don't know if this is flag-driven or immigration-driven. In other words, are conservatives, and I'll read some of the comments to you, are conservatives particularly angry with this guy because it was the flag or because he's an immigrant? I'm not really sure. So some of the comments, kick him out of the country. This is not freedom of speech when he destroys something that doesn't belong to him. And I say if he hates it here so bad that he has to cut down the flag, he needs to be returned to Vietnam. So what, what do you guys think? Is this because the guy is an immigrant or is it because he was, he was doing something to a flag? What's irritating people more? Uh, the flag is always a touchy thing. Um, that, I think, adds to it. But I think it's mostly be because he's an immigrant. Natan, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, if he was an American citizen, he would have no place to be sent back to. I mean, I think that it's part of, especially now in the context of the whole immigration overhaul push, Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of xenophobia to go around. Well, I was thinking about that. Some people are against some of the immigration reforms, particularly conservatives, because they say, they're very arbitrary in nature. In other words, you're kind of handpicking some people who came here illegally are going to be allowed to stay and given benefits, but some people aren't. It's very, very arbitrary. And I would say, isn't it arbitrary to say that this guy should be deported because it was a flag in particular? That, to me, seems very, very arbitrary. Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, if this were an American citizen, uh, I think these people would be calling for jail time because it's, what, just malicious destruction of property, Right. right. Yeah, definitely the the immigrant factor is uh, is at play here. Cons uh, conservatives have a different, speaking of arbitrary, if you're an immigrant, you have a completely different set of rules that you have to live by because you didn't happen to be born here. If you're an immigrant, uh, that doesn't look like he might have been born here. He or she right. might have been born here, right? I Absolutely. Mean, clearly, this does not look like someone who might have uh, immigrated here from Poland or Russia. No, it doesn't. Lala, baby, lie. Things I must deny as I roll to tomorrow's show. Okay, what what do you think is the best thing of the thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches? Um, let's see. You see, I would have to think about that. <laughs> is, this, is this the that hard of a question? Is it that is. It is a hard question. It's like, what is the meaning of life? You can't just uh, you can't just throw something out there. All right. Well, you know what. None of us know what the, what what's good about this show. What None we know is we have a show. We know the show exists. Pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out the David Pakman show at davidpakman.com. This I must deny as I roll to tomorrow's show. The president today gave what will be seen as one of the landmark policy speeches of his second term. And if you squinted at it, you could be forgiven for thinking that this might have actually been a second draft of something that maybe you heard before. Well, it is good to be back in Las Vegas. 
Hello, El Paso! Well, it is wonderful, wonderful to be back with all of you in the Lone Star State. I'm here because most Americans agree that it's time to fix a system that's been broken for way too long. Everybody recognizes the system's broken. That's why we're here at the border today. Broad consensus is emerging. There's a consensus around fixing what's broken. We define ourselves as a nation of immigrants. We define ourselves as a nation of immigrants. President Obama's speech today in Las Vegas on his immigration proposals is absolutely consistent with what he has been arguing for all along. Just, just watch this bit here. This is uncanny. In recent years, one in four high-tech startups in America were founded by immigrants. In recent years, a full 25% of high-tech startups in the U.S. were founded by immigrants. Immigrants helped start businesses like Google and Yahoo. Look at Intel. Look at Google. Look at Yahoo. Look at eBay. Every one of those was founded by, guess who? An immigrant. We're going to turn around and tell them to start that business and create those jobs in China or India or Mexico or someplace else. That's not how you grow new industries in America. We don't want the next Intel or the next Google to be created in China or India. We want those companies and jobs to take root here. Right now we have 11 million undocumented immigrants in America. Today there are an estimated 11 million undocumented immigrants here in the United States. Yes, they broke the rules. They crossed the border illegally. Some crossed the border illegally. They've broken the rules. And the overwhelming majority of these individuals aren't looking for any trouble. They're contributing members of the community. They're looking out for their families. The overwhelming majority of these folks are just trying to earn a living and provide for their families. The businesses that are trying to do the right thing, that are hiring people legally, paying a decent wage, following the rules, they're the ones who suffer. They've got to compete against companies that are breaking the rules. This puts companies who follow the rules and Americans who rightly demand the minimum wage or overtime or just a safe place to work, it puts those businesses at a disadvantage. First, I believe we need to stay focused on enforcement. And that means continuing to strengthen security at our borders. First, we know the government has a threshold responsibility to secure our borders, cracking down more forcefully on businesses that knowingly hire undocumented workers. Businesses have to be held accountable if they exploit undocumented workers. We put more boots on the ground on the southern border than at any time in our history. We now have more boots on the ground on the southwest border than at any time in our history. We have to deal with the 11 million individuals who are here illegally. Those who are here illegally, they have a responsibility as well. Passing a background check, undergo background checks, paying taxes, pay their taxes, paying a penalty, got to pay a fine. The president said those who are here illegally, back when he talked in El Paso, he said they need to undergo background checks. Today he said they need to undergo background checks. When he spoke in El Paso, he said they need to pay taxes. When he spoke today in Las Vegas, he said they need to pay their taxes. When he spoke in El Paso, he said they will need to pay a penalty. When he spoke in El Paso, he said they would need to pay a fine. So penalty changed to fine. But other than that, 
Yeah. The whole diagnosis of the problem, the whole proposal for how to fix the problem, the economic and social argument for why we need to fix the problem is the exact same for President Obama today as it was in 2011, and frankly, that it was before that from him. What has changed is his political assessment that what he wanted for the country before but he could not get, now he's going to get. Now it is possible. Policy-wise, he has stayed in exactly the same place for all of this time. What's moved is the Republicans. Now the good news is that for the first time in many years, Republicans and Democrats seem ready to tackle this problem together. At this moment, it looks like there's a genuine desire to get this done soon. And that's very encouraging. But this time, action must follow. I'm here today because the time has come for common sense, comprehensive immigration reform. The time is now. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. According to Washington, he's right. According to Washington, now apparently is the time. Not because the president's policy proposals or the problem itself have changed one iota from where they were during his first term, but because Republicans have changed their minds about what they would like to do. When President Obama two years ago was in El Paso laying out the exact same prescription, the exact same policy agenda on immigration that he stands by today, and that is almost exactly the same as what was just unveiled by four Republican senators and four Democratic senators at a big bipartisan press conference yesterday, and that we are told is also similar to what a bipartisan group is now considering in the U.S. House. When President Obama was already there, Two years ago, laying out this plan that he still stands by. Think of where the Republicans were then. I'm running for office for Pete's sake. I can't have illegals. My dad, you probably know, was, uh, was the governor of Michigan and was the head of a car company. But he was born in Mexico. And uh, had he been born of, of Mexican parents, I'd have a better shot at winning this. But he was not. <laughs> Should they be aggressive, seek them out, find them and arrest them as Sheriff Arpaio advocates? You know, I, I think you see a model here in Arizona. The answer is self-deportation. If I were elected and Congress were to pass the DREAM Act, would I veto it? And the answer is yes. And the Republican problem on this is not just a Mitt Romney problem. The Republican Party's nominee before Mitt Romney was a senator who had been a champion of immigration reform the year before he became their nominee. But then in order to become the Republican Party's nominee, he had to renounce his own ideas. He had to renounce his own proposals and say that he would have even voted against his own bill from just the previous year. At this point, if your original proposal came to a vote in the Senate floor, would you vote for it? It won't. It won't. That's why we went through the debate. Of, uh, no, no, I would not, because yeah. we know what the situation is today. <clears throat> For Senator John McCain, immigration reform had been a priority, and then he was against it, and now he is for it again.
Some modern figures in the Republican Party are associated with immigration reform. People like former President George W. Bush and his brother, Jeb Bush. Uh, former Republican Party Chairman Mel Martinez, who last night I described as the former Florida, Party, Florida, Florida State Republican Party Chairman. He was the national chairman. I'm sorry for that. He's a former Florida senator. So some of these guys are associated throughout their careers with immigration reform. But the rest of the party, the current elected officials in the party, are just whipsawing around on the issue wildly, taking wildly different and directly contradictory responses from election cycle to election cycle. As Republicans, I think, try to decide if the upward creeping percentage of Latinos in the American electorate is something they're going to use to, spoke their, to stoke their basis fear of a brown planet, or whether it's something they're going to use to try to inspire themselves to reconceive of who their base ought to be. The Latino vote is getting bigger, and the Republican share of that vote is getting smaller over time. They are getting less and less over time of something that is getting bigger and bigger over time. And even if you're not good at math, that's reason to panic. And the panic that that has induced in the Republican Party has led them, at least for this moment, to embrace what has been the Democrats' position all along. When, when President Obama took executive action in his first term to extend the kind of mini-dream act to young people who had been brought here illegally as kids, the sum total of congressional Republicans' reaction to that was something they called the Prohibiting Backdoor Amnesty Act to try to undo what the president had done. But now, just a few months down the road, Republicans are embracing the president's whole approach to the problem. He has stood still and they have moved. And they have moved because they think their own toxicity with Latino voters is forcing them to move. But there is one last factor here. There's one last immovable truth here for which this remarkable Republican freakout and reversal does not account. And that is the great big outside the beltway secret that Latino voters are really liberal, really liberal. Jeb Bush's Republican Hispanic Outreach Group um, polled swing state Latinos after this past election. And it turns out it's not just the issue of immigration where Latino voters like Democrats better than they like Republicans. Swing state Latinos like the Democratic Party on, on all of the issues they were asked about. They like Democrats better on education, on women's rights, on values on social issues broadly. They like Democrats better on the deficit. They like Democrats better on the economy, on small business, on immigration, on helping the middle class, on all of it, on every single thing they were asked about. The only two categories where Latinos in swing states pick Republicans over Democrats is when they are asked, who is more anti-immigrant and who cares more about helping rich people? Republicans win on those two questions, being anti-immigrant and digging rich people, but, Republican, but Democrats win on all of the rest of the policy issues. The exit polls from the 2012 electorate showed a Latino electorate that was more liberal on gay marriage than the country as a whole. The exit polls from the 2012 election showed a Latino electorate that is more supportive of abortion rights than the country as a whole. More supportive, not less, more. There is this myth that if Republicans can just stop being so offensive to Latinos in, in the alienating way they have talked about Latinos as an ethnic group and as a political constituency, if they can just get mainstream on the issue of reforming the immigration system, just go along with the Democrats on this, we'll just hold our nose and do it, there is this myth that then Republicans will gain a new constituency of voters who's prepared to vote for them. 
A new constituency of voters, millions of voters, a growing constituency that agrees with them specifically on social conservatism. All these Latinos are going to start voting Republican if you can just control the downside by having the Republicans ease up on immigration. Nothing in reality suggests that that is the case about Latino voters. But the Republicans are on the move on immigration right now anyway, at least for now. Will they balk once they realize that Latinos are going to vote overwhelmingly Democratic anyway? Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Real Clear Politics had an interesting proposal uh, when it comes to dealing with our immigration problem here in the United States. Uh, there was an article written by Gary Becker and Edward Paul Lazier, and uh, their solution is, well, look, we need some high-skilled workers here in the United States, so why don't we create a pathway to citizenship by making people pay $50,000. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because the rich didn't have enough of an advantage. So let's just call it what it is in the United States of rich folks, and, and you get to come in. Uh, but don't worry, you can pay it off. You yeah. can get a loan, right? Yes. So I, I want to read you a few uh, parts of their piece so you get a, a, a detailed understanding of what they're proposing. They say, we propose that instead of the current maze of rules and formulas, the U.S. should sell the right to become a citizen. Setting the price of perhaps $50,000 would attract those who place the highest value on citizenship. Um, and so they say, to ensure that not only the wealthy could gain citizenship, the, the sale of immigration slots could be coupled with a loan program that allows people to borrow the fee and to pay it back out of their earnings over an extended period. In essence, turning people, immigrants, into indentured servants. But literally. <laughs> like, so how about we have this proposal where, hey, listen, you could borrow the $50,000 and we'll just take your entire paycheck for like seven years or so. And that would be... Exactly what indentured servitude was. They're amazing, but they use like all this language like, oh, we're just trying to set the right incentives and hence we'll have the right employees and like all this jargon as if what they're saying makes sense. When in fact, in reality, all they're saying is, we love rich people. We want more money, Lebowski. By the way, our current immigration system already gives um, you know, a, a huge priority to individuals that have a ton of money. There are E1 and E2 visas. And these visas do get to get renewed, do have to get renewed every two years. Um, but basically, if you are investing a significant amount of money into a U.S. business, you get to come here. And usually, uh, especially with an E2 visa, you have to inv invest at least 200 so the rich people already have, um, you know, an easy pathway to the United States. No, we got to make it easier. And if you're going to work here, uh, listen. Uh, and by the way, it's not like the actual rules that they're uh, proposing for pathway citizenship are that much better. You got to work 13 long years under Obama's proposal. That's before the he compromises with the Republicans before you can become a U.S. citizen. You want to give people an incentive to come to the country legally. 
But if you are charging citizens $50,000 to come here legally, then you're giving them an incentive to enter, enter the country illegally, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, this article says, ah, we need stricter enforcement, yada, yada. But, you know, obviously the enforcement hasn't been so successful so far. So it's not unheard of for people to enter the country illegally. And another thing to keep in mind is a lot of times people who are trying to abide by the law um, feel really frustrated with the process, not because it takes so long, but because it already costs thousands of dollars. Just to give you an idea of how much it costs, a green card application is about $1,000. Certain temporary legal status application fees are about $1,100. A neutralization fee is $600. And then a lot of people don't understand English when they come to the country, so they have to hire a lawyer to take care of some of the paperwork, and that costs thousands of dollars. This is just like the for-profit colleges. They're going to have a government program to uh, make these loans, and they're going to get rich off of it. It is taxpayer money. There, there'll be some kind of agency. It'll be some kind of private corporation doing this, these loans. And they're going to, it's another way of funneling our tax dollars for these, for these scams. That's yeah. what this is all about. I don't doubt it. I'm sure that they'll find a way to make money off of it. Now, I want to remind people what's on the Statue of Liberty. Because I think we forget it often. I mean, that we get so much propaganda from the rich and the powerful on TV these days, mm -hmm. and and from the right wing, etc. Do you forget what the tradition of America is? This is literally what's on the Statue of Liberty. Quote: Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest toast to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. So this is what we used to think of immigration. Send me your homeless, your wretched poor, and I will take care of them because I am America. And we together will be great. And I will open the golden door for them, right? That's what we used to believe. Now we think, give me 50,000 bucks and I'll let you in the country. So this is what they would replace this uh, plaque on the Statue of Liberty with. I came up with this on my own, but I bet they love it. Give me your rich, your really rich, your stinking rich, yearning to make even more money. We shall make the wretched refuse work for us for nearly no money, so that our rich might get a little richer with your rich, so that we may build a golden door, or perhaps a golden calf, with all the rich of the world standing on top of the homeless and the despised poor. That would be the new inscription for the Statue of Liberty if the Republicans and the right wing get their way. Welcome to America. From all the world nations Some by boat, some by plane Some swim the rivers and the rain Alright folks, it's time for Random Rush. You know what that means. I listen to Rush Limbaugh for 60 seconds. I respond to him in 90. It is now 1.09 p.m. East Coast time. Let's see if he's on. We're hired using illegal documents. We don't track... 
people that are overstaying visas. So 40% of our illegal immigrants are people that entered legally and have overstayed. And our border is not secure. And we know that is a national security and sovereignty issue as much as it is an immigration issue. So for those two reasons alone, we, we have to do something. And beyond it, I would just say it's not good for the country to have 11 million people here who we don't know who they are, where they're living, with they're not paying taxes, but they're showing up in emergency rooms or driving up the cost of auto insurance because they don't have driver's licenses and are getting into accidents. They're having children, which are U.S. citizens. So, I mean, it's an issue that needs to be dealt with, and beyond that, it's an issue the Democrats were going to raise anyway, so we might as well have an alternative, and, and that's what we've worked on, and hopefully we can keep it an alternative that, that we can support. I want to stick with the, with the politics of this yeah. for, for just a second. Before, I heard what you say, understand, yeah. I understand, mean, I have some questions for you about that, but the politics of this still fascinate me. Um, if you look at the 2010 election, Okay, so that's um, Marco Rubio doing his tour, uh, his pre-apology tour to Rush Limbaugh, uh, trying to get Rush Limbaugh's permission to vote um, uh, and uh, push through this immigration legislation, which is going through the Senate. President Obama has uh, smartly sort of, uh, this is the one time I think that it really does make sense for him to lead from behind in some respects, because... Um, as soon as he puts his name on this, that's when all the right wingers will um, will uh, line up against it. Rubio has uh, really uh, invested a lot into this, and um, and here he is making sure that he's protecting his right flank. Limbaugh is, you know, starting to give him a, um, you know, g obviously give him on the issue itself a lot of leeway. And but where he was going with this undoubtedly for Limbaugh was like, why do you think politically we need to kowtow to these people? Aren't we just kowtowing here? And whenever Limbaugh has to sort of do the beep, 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 back it up a little bit. Whenever he's providing cover for Republicans who are not doing what he says they should do. He always makes it about cowardice. They're being weak. We need to bulk them up. We need to strengthen their spines. This is as much about Rubio kissing ass to the uh, right-wingers as it is about Limbaugh trying to maintain his credibility and still keep the door open to support Rubio in the future. So we're watching uh, two real, essentially, um, whores uh, at work. And it's, it's pretty hot. Got very vulgar. <laughs> Damn. Pretty hot. Pretty hot. How would you like to be able to read books and periodicals without the need for tree killing paper, the actual ability to read, or having to pay a giant corporation for the pleasure? I sure would, but I don't think that exists. Two out of three ain't bad, though, because Audible, an Amazon company, is just such a giant corporation that can make these other wishes a reality. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash best, you'll receive a free audiobook of your choice, yours to keep even if you cancel within the 14-day free trial. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best to take something for nothing from a company who obviously didn't write the copy for this advertisement. Marco Rubio is part of a group of bipartisan senators who are going to do uh, immigration reform. Now, the Republican Party feels they have to do this 
because they lost over 70% of the Latino vote in 2012. They feel like it's slip-sliding away from them. Yeah, all that stuff we said about how much uh, we hate uh, illegal immigration and uh, we got to build a bigger and bigger border and wall, etc. Yeah, we still mean it, but except uh, not quite as much. So they bring in Marco Rubio. I don't know if you know this, but Marco Rubio is Latino. So they think they're going to cross the Rubicon or the Rubiocon with him. So, all right, well, he's come up with this uh, plan that some are calling a pathway to citizenship. But he wants you to understand how much it sucks. So he's going to explain it on Fox News. Don't get me wrong. I'm not really trying to fix the system. In some ways, I'm trying to make it worse. Listen. Question. Why isn't that amnesty? Because, in fact, you are giving legal status to people who have broken the law. And, and most people here in Washington think once they have that status, whether even if it's called temporary, it's never going to get revoked, Senator. Well, I think that's where people are misunderstanding. They don't get anything. And then they don't qualify for any federal benefits. This is an important point. No federal benefits, no food stamps, no welfare, no Obamacare. The only thing that happens is that they will have to stay in that status until at least 10 years elapses and the triggers are met. All that has to happen. And then the only thing they get is the chance to apply for a green card via the legal immigration system. We do not award anything to anyone. So don't worry, guys, okay? They get nothing. Or in their language, nada. You get no health care, no benefits, no nothing for 10 years as you work at the lowest wage possible. We grind you into the ground, and at the end, we get, and we got, bam, slap across the face. Trust me, we hate them. Believe me, we're not giving them anything. We're just trying to find cheap labor that the corporations who pay us can benefit from. They've been doing it illegally all these years and we let them get away with it secretly. By the way, that was a Republican idea. And sometimes they would even get to basically use slave labor because nobody could complain. Well, the jig is up on that. Oh, that sucks. So we're going to try to institutionalize how much we crush these people for over 10 years. But at the end, they get to apply for a green card. Are we not merciful? He continues to explain how much he will try to hurt immigrants this is their new reach out to immigrants in America. This is great. And I would argue to you that it will be cheaper, faster, and easier for people to go back home and wait 10 years than it will be to go through this process that I've outlined. And that's why it's not amnesty. And bottom line is, we don't award anything. You have to qualify. You have to apply for it. And, and that's the, the key distinction. So I agree. If somehow being in this country illegally is cheaper, easier, and quicker than doing it the right way, I wouldn't support that. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's saying this is worse than the current system. My proposal is worse than the current system. Current system, he's saying, is better. You just leave the country for 10 years, you apply, and then you come back, okay? We kick you out of the country. That's the better system. My system is the worst system. We make them work here for 10 years, give them nothing those 10 years, and at the end they have a chance to apply for not a citizenship, green card. And that's a whole nother long process. Oh, I see. You're reaching out to Latinos, are you? Well... <laughs> How very kind of you. But if it wasn't clear enough, he went on ABC's This Week and here's what he said, quote, the alternative we've created is going to be longer, more expensive, and more difficult to navigate. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Boy, yeah, Republicans really know how to reach out and slap you across the face. Thank you. This is their new Marco Rubio representative trying to reach out to Latinos and immigrants in the country to be a wealthy, welcoming arms of the Republican Party. <laughs> Those are arms you don't want to go anywhere near, man.
So, look, I think there needs to be sensible immigration reform. I understand the need for a certain period of years that they work until they can get a green card. You can't just come in and go, give me the green card. We get it, right? But you don't have to be punitive about it while they're here. And you don't have to make it literally longer than indentured servitude, which was seven years back in the day. Now, this is ten years, and then you begin the process. So there has to be bounds of reason, and this is nowhere near it. And by the way, of course, President Obama is ecstatic at this. Bipartisan compromise. He's trying to help Rubio pass this. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm John Kerr. A bipartisan group of senators released a bill that would be the first major overhaul to the nation's immigration laws in decades. But not everyone is applauding their cooperation. Here's conservative radio host Laura Ingram. Many of us believe that Marco Rubio is the future of the Republican Party. But I can tell you, if this thing is what I think it will end up being, it will not only be the end of Marco Rubio's political career, it will be the end of the Republican Party as we know it. Ingram also used the Boston bombings to stoke fears about immigration reform. And we don't know who did this, motivations, all of that. But it's, it is interesting that at this moment we are considering legalizing uh, or, or giving regularized status to millions of people. We can't stop every attack, but my goodness, if we had borders that were shut down and we actually had a, a proper a screening process, maybe we, we could stop some of them. Louis Gohmert was on C-SPAN, which is it's funny to see Louis Gohmert on C-SPAN. You know, Louis Gohmert was my favorite character on Mayberry RF. <laughs> <laughs> seeing Louis Gohmert on C-SPAN is like seeing Fred Flintstone in a library. You know, <laughs> it's like what? Who are you trying to fool? <laughs> you know, what are you? Are you trying to? Are you running a scam with Mr. Kazoo? What are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you doing here? So uh, he went on, and he was talking about uh, immigration. And Louis Gohmert, if you don't know, is a crazy maniac uh, right-winger who's who's just about as sane as that guy I just played from the radio. Right, right. And uh, he's uh, anti-immigration, of course, right? you got to... Here's here's what he has to say about the what why he wants to secure the border because you got to look out for this. This is what's happening according to Louis. We know Al Qaeda has camps over with the drug cartels on the other side of the Mexican border. We know that people are now being trained to come in and act like Hispanic when they're radical Islamists. We so he he knows that the Al Qaeda are coming in here and being trained to be, act Hispanic. No, he said act uh, like Hispanic. Is and uh, I know that there, we have one in our midst here uh, named Stephanie. Yes. I've known her See. many times that she is acts like Hispanic. Yes. Uh, a bit suspicious. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Stephanie, that uh, suicide vest looks great on you. <laughs> you know, it makes sense because at the turn of the century, uh, a lot of uh, Italians uh, came in acting like uh, the Irish. <laughs> Yes, they did. <laughs> to lull us into a state of yeah, uh, confused submission. everybody. And there were even a few uh, Irish who were um, who were sneaky enough to act sober, which <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when remember when the Lithuanians were trying to be Polish, and then mm -hmm. the uh, the Polish people were still trying to be Polish because mm -hmm. they're Polish and uh, <laughs> and failing at being Polish. That's but very I, offensive. So let's hear. Let's hear. I, I know. I'm going to guess that the uh, facts. 
<laughs> that he's got are coming straight from the John Birch Society newsletter. Is that your nickname for his asshole? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I'll yeah. bet it's so his name. Oh, got, yeah, anybody, anybody got any John Birch paper? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, here, let's listen to it one more time. What do you have to say about it? As well, we know Al-Qaeda has camps over with the drug cartels on the other side of the Mexican border. We know that people are now being trained to come in and act like Hispanic when they're radical Islamists. Yeah, that's another reason to keep the Mexicans out. A lot of them are Al-Qaeda effing Mexicans, am I right? Now they're even taking terrorist jobs. They don't care who they are. There's no end to it. They don't care. These people, they're worse than Dennis Miller. They don't care who they work for. I like he says that. So, so watch out because most of those Al Qaeda's can't even make a decent enchilada. That's how you. Know. That's how you know. And these so-called Latinos are trying to crash our economy by taking low-paying jobs and working as hard as they can. We're on to them. I'm on to them. You know what, Jimmy? I, I heard they're already working on their own film too. A day without my Al Qaeda. A day without my Al Qaeda. Sure. They're trying to take over the country one pupusa stand at a time. It's insidious. Papusa jokes. <laughs> it's, I hear they're just dressing up as big bees. <laughs> Killer big bees. Yeah. You know, you can tell the Al-Qaeda Mexicans because they speak Farsi and drive cabs. <laughs> I feel a hot wind on my shoulder And the touch of the world that is older I turn the switch and check the number I leave it on when it bed I slumber I hear the rhythm We've got an immigration bill coming up here, uh, and it is bipartisan. Uh, it's got Marco Rubio uh, championing it for the uh, Gang of Eight. Uh, four of them are Republicans, four of them are uh, Democrats. Um, now, Republicans have some problems with it. Uh, Senator Jeff Sessions from Alabama describes it perfectly. He says, quote, they'll be able to immediately apply for much better jobs than they currently have. <gasps> oh, no! Wait a minute, maybe we can't crush them into oblivion anymore and make them do the crappiest jobs for less than minimum wage. Whatever will we do? So I love his opposition to the bill is, what if they actually get decent jobs like other human beings? All right, well, your outreach to the Latino community is going great, Republicans. Have at it. And so Dave apparently decided this Marco Rubio guy he should have bowed his head and done as he was told. So, I mean, why, why do we allow him into this party in the first place if he wasn't just going to be our stooge? Fascinating. Now, I want to give you a sense of uh, this bill that he's pushing, because as I've told you before, it is not a soft bill. It's very harsh, and Marco Rubio has bragged over and over again that the bill is worse than the current situation. What an unbelievable and ironic thing that you push for a bill by saying, don't worry, conservatives. This is actually tougher on immigrants, and we'll crush them even better with my bill. Again, your outreach to the Latino community and immigrant community going along stellar. So just quick uh, description here. They'd have to pay a $500 fine. Uh, they'd have to pass a criminal background check. They'd have to show that they were in the country before December 31st of 2011. 
young undocumented immigrants are, are called the dreamers, of course, and they would be able to get green cards within five years. Here's the really interesting part. So would agricultural workers. So if you're doing any other job, eh. But you know what? If you're doing the jobs that nobody wants, and those agricultural companies are putting a ton of pressure on us to make sure that they keep that you know, factory line of workers coming into the country, you guys can go to the head of the line for uh, work there for five years. Corporations run this country, man. It's so obvious. All right, now, there's 120,000 to 250,000 visas put aside per year. They're called merit-based visas. It's for long-term employment. Edu if you have long-term employment, you have education, you have family ties, you're more likely uh, to get these visas. Now, there's a different category of people who've worked in the United States for 10 years or longer, uh, and there's a lot of overlap here, so I know it gets confusing. I'm going to get to the bottom line in a second. You've got to learn English, you've got to take U.S. civics, and you've got to pay your back taxes. So this is not light. It is a ton of requirements. And the most important part of what I just told you, unless you're a young kid and the DREAM Act applies to you or you're an agricultural worker, you're going to have to go 10 years and then get in line for a green card. So that on average, they believe the so-called pathway to citizenship will take 13 to 15 years working at you know the worst possible jobs as session says oh we don't want them to get good jobs we want them to take the crappiest jobs right now remember indentured servitude was seven years this is literally twice as long as indentured servitude and the republicans still say too soft in fact an immigration lawyer uh, says that Marco Rubio, who he works on uh, as this, this is especially, and he says, quote, Rubio is going to get crucified for agreeing to this. For what? What else did you want him to do? You make him go through all of this stuff, pay the back taxes, learn English, do civics, all the stuff I just listed to you, go through 14 years of waiting. What? We didn't spank them? We didn't punch them in the face? What other retribution did you want? But no, not good enough. In fact, Marco Rubio went on the Mark Levine show. Let me skip ahead here to graphic 26. And on Wednesday, he said, okay, please, here, this is my bill. Please, uh, you know, understand what we're trying to do. And we need this. Otherwise, Latinos are going to vote like they did in 2012, 71% in favor of President Obama. We're never going to win another national election. Mark Levine hears him out. The next day, uh, gives this statement. Quote, count me out. The border is not secured and Obama cannot be trusted, period. In other words, we're never going to work with Obama on anything. If Obama wants to pass a law saying Mark Levine is the new emperor of the country, I don't trust Obama, I say no. Although, God, he would love to be emperor, right? They're authoritarian to their core. But no, not buying it. We're not going to help immigrants at all. We don't need them. Let's spit in their eye. How about Jim DeMint? Jim DeMint helped Marco Rubio get elected. He's now left the Senate, head of the Heritage Foundation, which is a leading conservative think tank. Quote, immediate amnesty in the form of provisional status within months and lofty promises of strategies and plans for enforcement years later. That is how he describes the bill. The key word there is amnesty. He's saying not buying it. This is unacceptable. It's amnesty. Vote against it. Basically, this is Jim DeMint pulling Marco Rubio aside and saying, hey, listen, boy. We got you elected so you could be a pretty face and you could be a Latino name, but you do as you're told. 
We didn't go tell you to set up any pathway to citizenship, no matter how grueling it is, no matter how tough and ridiculous it is. No, no, no. You know your role, okay? You know your role is to get up there and say what I say, okay? But do it in a Latino name with a Latino identity. The Republicans are incorrigible. Now, if you think all that is bad, you know that he's been marcoed for destruction because now they've got conspiracy theories on it. So here is Shark Tank and Conservative website, a headline, quote, Move over, Obama phone. Say hola to the Marco Rubio immigration phone, a.k.a. Marco phone. What in the world is this? They've come up with a new conspiracy theory. Marco Rubio put in a provision in the bill that gives all undocumented immigrants free cell phones. Yeah, 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 because Republicans, like Marco Rubio, want to give free cell phones to undocumented immigrants. How insane do you have to be to believe that? Well, of course, you'd have to be as insane as Breitbart's uh, uh, publication. Immigration bill contains Marco phones. Marco Polo, we found you. Breitbart.com, just as crazy as ever. Now, what's the actual provision? Quote, a provision to give rural residents and business owners near the Mexican border access to cell service and phones so they can quickly report border violence to the police and the Department of Homeland Security. In other words, they're giving the phones to Americans, business owners, farm owners, to report the undocumented immigrants. Oh, yeah, that's what they say. But the Marco, but Marco is Latino. He said, Marco Rubio, hola. He must be giving it to the illegals, as they call them. You see, Marco Rubio, now how insane these guys are. It was easy and fun when they were hitting Democrats, right? What happened now when they hit you with your, their crazy conspiracy theories? Rubio puts out on Twitter, the report that claims immigration reform gives immigrants free cell phones is false and reckless. Yeah, welcome to your Republican Party. <laughs> You're made of false and reckless. Look at what you guys just did with the gun bill. You came up with a conspiracy theory that it creates a federal gun registry, when in fact it made it illegal to have federal gun registry. Well, now they're doing it to you. Sad day for you. He goes on Laura Ingram's program, tries to deny, oh, please, please, there's no conspiracy. Uh, you actually can be eligible for a grant uh, for a phone, it looks like. A two-year grant Definitely. program to receive yeah. a, a cellular phone. And right. in the articles t this morning, as you can imagine, are fairly amusing. Move over Obama phone. This is the, uh, you know, this is the amnesty phone. W what's going on with That's phone... Fault. Phone? That's false. Okay. That's not for the illegal immigrant. That's for, for U.S. citizens and residents who live in the border region who, so that they can have access to call. One of their complaints is that's actually part of the Kyle border bill mm -hmm. that we adopted. And it, what it does is it provides communication equipment to people who are living in the border region so they can report illegal crossings because many of them either don't have phone service or don't have cell phone service and they have no way oh, of no, calling. No, no, yeah, I know it's not for the actual. Agency. Yeah, no, no. I know it's not for the illegal immigrants, but it is an outlay of, uh, you know, of money, is it not? Well, again, that's part of a border security package, that all of which is paid for through the fees and fines that we're charging as part of this program. Okay, no, that's 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 okay. I don't really. That's not really something that bothers me. It just seems like that's a. I'm not sure why that's even in here, but I guess I get your point. All right, that's awesome. Uh, you know, first of all, 
you tell me she didn't like all like all the other consumer websites didn't originally think it was for illegal immigrants. Of course she thought that. Then she's like, well, I mean, I guess I know that, right? But uh, but you're spending money on it anyway. Now you want to get the great irony here at the end. Classic Republican move. Turns out, of course, it was conservatives who originally asked for the money to give phones to rural farmers because that rural farmer had been shot by an undocumented immigrant and couldn't call the police in time. So they wanted to give free phones to those farmers. So Marco Rubio made the classic Democratic mistake of agreeing with conservatives who then turned around and used it against them. Welcome to Obama's world. Okay, this is Mara from Pittsburgh, and I just wanted to call about the most recent episode on the so-called illegal immigrants. It was really interesting, especially the issue of the AP updating its style book. But what really surprised me is that none of the commentators in the clips you chose emphasized the fact that Frank Luntz is the one who proposed using phrases like illegal immigrant to link improperly documented immigrants to criminal activity in the minds of Americans. The fact is, however, that being in the country without proper documentation is not a crime. There are civil penalties associated with it, but it's not a crime and the people are not criminal. So the term illegal immigrant is not usually even accurate. It's a federal misdemeanor to enter the country without proper documentation, but this is also generally not treated as a crime. So it can be accurate to talk about illegal entry, but about half of the improperly documented immigrants here now did not enter the country illegally. They overstayed visas and things like that. My point is just that the AP getting rid of the phrase illegal immigrants is not an act of political correctness gone wild, as Fox would have us believe. It's a recognition that it's a term that doesn't make any sense, and it's generally completely inaccurate. Undocumented immigrant isn't quite accurate either, but at least it lacks the immediate bias of implying that people are criminals when they are not. Anyway, thanks, Jay. Keep up the good work. Hey, Jay. It's Jake in Iowa. I have a comment about the uh, immigration episode. I'm listening about halfway through it right now. It's pretty good so far. One thing I was thinking about the, uh, the issue of immigration lately is that the policy that we have in place, everybody loves to say, oh, we have a, it's a broken system, it's, it's just not working, it, we need to get it repaired, and, and, and the Republicans have a lot of uh, confusion and vagueness about what repairing it means, uh, and, and the Democrats to some extent too. But the way I've been thinking about this issue lately is just the system isn't, isn't broken right now, Although I'm I'm speaking from a uh, Republican corporate perspective, it's the way they exactly want it to be. I think it's broken, and if anyone who's a objective uh, objective human can see that it's broken. But I, I've been having this thought a lot lately about the way that things are policy-wise are just not necessarily the, the best policies. It's the way the corporations want the policies to work, and the top 0.01 percent, the the plutocrat class. So you can you can see this example in the drug policy of this country, in the war policy of this country, and the environmental policy of this policy. All of these policies are not what the best policies would be. They're all the best for lining the right pockets of 
corporate people or in certain in certain situations getting uh, regulations out of the way to help them better. It's the same thing with illegal immigration. It's just a, it's just a, if you can call people illegals and have that constant shame going at them, and not only that, but just the system itself is set up so hey, you know, you're illegal, so we're going to pay you about three bucks an hour, and if you complain about it, you get deported, so you're not going to say anything, we're not going to say anything. This broken system is very not broken for us, the rich people, the owners of this country. It's not broken at all, and uh, it's just broken for the actual people, and it's the same thing with a lot of other issues. Uh, but this system is not this system is not some, oh, well, we just couldn't get it right. It's, it's, it's set up exactly how the fucking corporations want it to be set up right now. And when we have some sort of fix for this, where these undocumented or whatever, the, the, the immigrants, what we're calling that, once they're legal, they all of a sudden, hey, the minimum wage applies to them. And then that's a big inconvenience for big money. Uh, and that's the that's basically the whole point of this whole issue. Love the show. Thanks, bye. Hey, Jay, this is Justin from Indiana. Just got done listening to the immigration episode, and I think you really did a good job of touching on on most of the, the key points of immigration reform and, you know, some of the history. But one thing that always strikes me is how uh, immigration or immigrants specifically are are uh, stereotyped as being of, of Mexican descent, and uh, I think a little history lesson's in order. In 1846 to 1848, we had the Mexican-American War that led to the redrawing of the boundaries between Mexico and the United States, in which we absorbed a lot of land that uh, previously belonged to Mexico. Roughly uh, 50% of their land was absorbed by us. and. There were a lot of uh, Mexicans that had been encouraged to migrate into the northern portions of Mexico uh, by the Mexican government. Anyway, when we when we won that war, if if you can consider that winning, really, I mean, there's no winners in war. But whenever we uh, won that war and the Guadalupe Hidalgo Treaty was signed, they redrew the boundaries, and we got Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California and some other uh, uh, territories that belong to Mexico and roughly 7,500 or 75,000, excuse me, Mexicans were given the choice to stay in the U.S. or migrate back to Mexico, which the majority couldn't afford to migrate back south of the new border. And they just remained here, the, the vast majority of them. And uh, we also absorbed uh, a, a very large Native American population with the uh, Hopi tribe and and some others. So, uh, whenever I hear people griping about immigration, it's, you know, we, we took over these territories. We wanted those lands. And whenever we wanted those lands, we wanted the people in them. And, uh, people just need to get off their high horse, uh, and, and realize that just like you illustrated in your recent episode, that, that we're all immigrants. And to, to make this nation a, a closed-bordered uh, nation is is a pretty sad turn of events. I hate to see something like that happen because there are a lot of good people in this world that are living in some really poor conditions, and, and to say that they don't deserve a better life like what we got from our ancestors is 
that's pretty obtuse and i and uh i just wanted to throw my two cents in there you know uh, i guess that's my conclusion uh, thanks for the show dinner job love listening and have a great day Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who help gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who call into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So uh, today, all I want to talk about is uh, my friend Lee Camp. He's a regular contributor to the show, so many of you will be familiar with him. But for a quick refresher, this is what he sounded like on his most recent appearance on the show. In the big spaceship that is planet Earth, the United States is paying a load of money to sit in first class so that we don't have to see the festering insanity going on back in coach. Most of this country is the Truman Show. Sure, things aren't great for a lot of people, but in many ways, we are blissfully ignorant. We're mindfully innocent, mentally negligent, and unknowingly indigent. We pay to maintain our ignorance. We subsidize our closed eyes. But I'm thinking about getting a little work done, so at least there'll be, like, young, hot, closed eyes. So I bring up Lee today because he's running a Kickstarter campaign that I've already contributed to, and I think you should, too. Uh, So what you hear from him on this show is called The Moment of Clarity from Lee Camp, and that's on his YouTube page. It's just him basically, you know, sitting in front of a webcam, and he's speaks for two to five minutes uh, saying what he has to say, and that's that's basically it. But in, in addition to that, he's launched, and he's in the middle right now of a production schedule for the Moment of Clarity show, which is a longer format and in much higher quality. Uh, you know, it has multiple segments and guests come and, and, you know, they do different things, but it requires like a film crew and editors and all that sort of thing. So it costs a lot more money. So he's in his first run of 10 episodes, but he wants to extend the run of that show uh, in, in its entirety longer. So he started this Kickstarter campaign to fund season two to do a full season of Moment of Clarity. So he set the goal at $30,000, which I thought was pretty bold. So of course he had a month to raise $30,000 to reach his goal. He did it in eight days, uh, which blew me away. So now they're fully funded to produce another 10 episodes. And now he's stretching his goal not just to have more money to put into those episodes. He just, just the more money they make, the more episodes they can make. So they're, they're trying to get up to 15 episodes. They, they've raised the goal to uh, $45,000. And you can donate. The, I put the link in the show notes of this episode. But you can also just Google Kickstarter, Lee Camp, uh, Kickstarter, uh, Moment of Clarity Show, anything like that, and you'll find it. So if you like his work, you're interested in having more people see it, interested in having him uh, have the ability to do you know, higher quality production value and all that sort of thing, and get some pretty cool prizes that he has uh, that he's offering through Kickstarter, I highly recommend you check that out. So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you're not already subscribed to this show, there are lots of ways to do it. Everything from iTunes or the standard RSS feed to a variety of great apps for smartphones, including Stitcher, or there's even a Best of the Left app made specifically for the show, made for iPhone or Android. And thanks especially also to those who support the show directly by either becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the show survives. Stay tuned into the program between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including 
including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode. All that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Just a fond farewell to a friend